All right, everybody, welcome back to another episode of Life Between the Six with Cody Cropper. As always, your host, Brandon. We've got a guest, Alex Bono, joining us. Uh, we could say again, but none of you know that. So uh, anyways, <laughs> Alex, what's going on? Oh, not much. You know, I um, you expect that when you make an appearance that, you know, the hosts at least have the decency to tell you they're not going to release the show that you did two years ago. But now, you know, yes. I know, and I'm, I've been wondering where it is. I know that it's just sitting in the archives and maybe one day it'll see the light of day. Maybe one day it, it will. Who knows? Maybe but one yeah. day it will. We don't know. Yeah. Well, uh, firmly supplanting the show is life between the sticks with another goalkeeper. Excited to have you on obviously with DC this season. Um, so, you know, new team, new change for you. What is it like though? Having a celebrity manager, Mr. Rooney, the gaffer. It's um, I still haven't gotten used to saying gaffer and I don't think I ever will. So I just call him Wayne, but, it's crazy. Like the Mr. Wayne, like, you know, gaffer wants gaffer wants this. And he's like standing right there. And you're like, why are you referring to him as like a title when he's sitting right here? And it's just like a very like strange way of conversing and, and talking to people. I don't know. So I just call him Wayne, but it is nice to have the biggest personality in your team be the coach. It actually takes off some of the pressure that players I think might face. Um, because he knows the game so well. He has so many experiences in the game at the highest level that when you get to learn from a guy like him day in and day out, and like when we show up to the hotels and, you know, there's people waiting at the steps to get your coach's signature, you're like, this is a bit different. But it's kind of nice because it kind of takes some of the, the focus off of, off of players and lets us just get down to business and, and do what works, but what we're asked to do. Yeah, I think that's a really good point that um, not a lot of MLS fans or maybe players in MLS would have experienced having played on teams where a lot of players are bigger than the managers. And in Europe, that's, you know, more common than not, you know, like when I played at Southampton, Pochettino was a bigger name than any player that we had on the team or right. Roy Keane was the bigger name than we had than any player on the team. And it's like, these guys are, these guys have been there and done it and they have their own credibility and they right. take the pressure off of you. Right. You mm -hmm. don't, it's not really a thing. And that's, I think that's a really cool point you made. It's not intentionally. They, they take the spotlight, not like a, an ego intentional thing. It's a natural no. thing because of their careers and because of what they've experienced and what they've achieved. And when you sit back and think about it, it's kind of nice that you get to experience learning from someone who's done at the highest level. And at the same time, they on a daily basis, get all the attention, they are getting the headlines. And you're okay yeah. with that. Because when the players do something to deserve the headlines, then you get it, but it takes some of the the pressure off of being a player, some of the pressure off of, of the high stress situations, because you know that your coach has done it. And at the same time, he's great about protecting us and speaking up in the media and, and being a, a manager who who takes the criticism and, and, and who doesn't, you know, throw his guys in, in the line of fire. So yeah. uh, it's been good. He's a really great coach. Um, I'm really happy to be here and, and I am learning every day and, and enjoying the experience with him. Is he still just like cherry pick goalkeepers off in like shooting drills? <laughs> he, he, he hops in them once in a while and he's still got it. He's definitely still got it. So he, I can see uh, him like out there with the T90 lasers, the old school bright yellows. He's yeah. He wears like he he just wears copas now. It's like the weirdest thing. And you think that he'd be this like wow. angry, grumpy guy? Because like when he played, you're like, this guy is this guy ever happy? Like to see smile. He you know, always like he looks angry, goal and it looks like he's still angry. Yeah, it's like, dude, you just yeah. scored. Um, but he's actually like super soft spoken, like really personable. Um, really cares about like what you have to say. And we'll pull you and just have a chat about your family and all this stuff. And you're like, this is so strange because I I thought you were just like a grumpy angry former player and you're like one of the nicest people so love um, it yeah that's no, some cool insight it's that's great. cool insight because i would have thought i would have had the same perception that you just kind yeah. of described as like grumpy yeah former player i don't know like misses <laughs> playing but is kind of past it and is just angry yeah. with the world but he's so even keel like he has no that's fantastic he's the really opposite cool. like, you're like this guy like misses a chance in a game and he might just like 
it looks like he's just seeing red. He might just go go off and kick someone, you know? <laughs> and now it's like he's a manager and he has no control over like what's happening on the field. And he's just like even keel, just chill, just watches. Just, That's crazy. Just analyzes. It's so weird. So interesting. Different. Yeah. Yeah. I, absolutely. I mean, good self-awareness for him, you know, because I'm sure everyone's mm-hmm. probably walking on pins and needles and he kind of bring takes that away, which is which is good really for him. Good. So um look i think we're the league's better for having him um you know the way he's building his project there in dc united assembling you guys and the right types of people and he's very clear about what he wanted from mm-hmm. people and that he wasn't going to sign uh vanity signings they needed to be bought in so um i'm sure that just helps with the unity of the locker room a lot 100 percent. all right well should we chat a little mls gentlemen uh we are officially let's do it done with uh i don't even know what week was this Match week five Match already. Week five. Match week six. Six. six? Yeah. Oh. Well. Are you well, sure? I mean, Cody. I think so. Only, there's only. F- yeah. Okay. He's right. Damn it. Five. Six games have been played. Okay. Um, he's right. Okay. It it doesn't seem like it. Um, but some high level stuff on the East. Cincinnati first. They have yeah. now leapt up there. Uh, Atlanta second. New England Revolution third. Columbus fourth. Uh, Western Conference, St. Louis, even though they have their first loss still uh, in first with Seattle second, LAFC third, and Minnesota United fourth. So uh, again, just kind of set the stage there. Who's at the top? So we're going to start with Cincinnati versus Miami. Uh, when you go to the top of the, the the standings in the East, we're going to start with you there. They are, from a points perspective, the second best team in the league. Uh, Cody, obviously... We've been watching Cincy a little bit this season. They were pretty much projected by everybody to be in and amongst the uh, the top of the East. They're doing the business. They got four wins, uh, no losses, two draws, and, and um, getting the result against Miami, which I, I hate to say it. I'm like less and less excited by Miami every week. Yeah. Um, I don't know. They, like you said, they started off kind of hot they were drawing some attention and they've just gotten progressively worse more stale uh week to week i don't know what you think alex but yeah no i agree i think that um i mean they came out and they who they beat philly and yeah. obviously philly is you know that team in the east that everyone thinks was just going to kind of stay the powerhouse that they were last year and yeah. they've kind of you know they've struggled a bit in the beginning of the season as well obviously andre got hurt um which is not the reason that they're not you know winning all their games but um you know so they'll take some time to figure it out but i think philly will be fine but miami went in and beat philly in one of the first couple games and everyone's like wow is this miami team for real um and then just slowly they've you know i don't know what their like their last couple games are but uh they they lost they lost to chicago in the dying minutes uh last week that's right Toronto right. beat him two nothing, and then they lost to NYCFC after winning their first two two nothing. So it's it's so literally been four straight losses. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. Uh, all, and they scored two goals against Chicago, but they've scored two and four as well. Yeah. So I don't know. Uh, I mean, in this game, they they concede a late set piece goal in the first half, and how many times have have I discussed this in the first six weeks, Brandon, where I've said you cannot switch off in the first five minutes of a half in the final five minutes of a half because teams will punish you. And in Miami have done it several times and they get punished by a team that not only is it has been better than them, but exploited the mismatch on the near post with DeAndre Yedlin there. And it just kind of, you know, I have so many great things to say about Dre, but in this game, I think he, the last two weeks, I think he struggled. I, to be fair, the whole team is struggling, right? Yeah. You know, kind of top to yeah. bottom. It, yeah, and I shouldn't single him out, but you're right. Well, you're right. it happens because he's the, he's the guy in the highlight, right, that everybody sees. So yeah. he's And he's wearing the captain's armband. Which he is. Um you know, it's tough in him, but look, Cincinnati looked solid top to bottom. Like, especially when you kind of look at their passing networks and just like their average team shape, they're a cohesive unit. They're playing the back three. They've got the two guys in the middle that just kind of run everything. Uh, their wingbacks push up high with three and attack. It, it just, they're well, they're well drilled. Was it Noonan they as are. the manager there, right? Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. 
Chris so Albright I, is the general manager and Pat Noonan's the head coach. So I was going to ask this. It Do you guys, I don't know, Alex, maybe, do you feel like uh, an advantage is having played in the MLS? There's so many former players that seem to be doing pretty well in the MLS, but then there's also some that have tried it and failed miserably. Um, but do you think it's an advantage to be a coach having played in the league? Because it's such a unique league. It is. It is. And there are certain things that, you pick up as a player in this league that you don't pick up in other leagues. Um, and of course things that you gain by playing in other leagues that you don't experience here. But in terms of coaching in MLS, I do think that playing helps. Um, but also with, uh, Chris and Pat, they spent a ton of time in Philly, a lot of years. Um, they spent so, so many years there learning that system, learning, you know, Philly's a well-run club. They do things the right way. They take care of the players. They're, they have a good scouting department. They always seem to find talent and bring them into the league. So from that perspective, I think more so than players having played in the league and then going on to coach in the league, that the time that they've spent around the league and around a club that has had relative success and is well-run, I think that really helps them. Um, they take it somewhere else where there are resources, where there's a willingness to be a good team and do things the right way. And you see what happens when you have smart guys who have been around the league, have learned the system, have learned how things go and bring it to a team that's that's willing to make it happen. And that's what's happened here for me. Yeah, I would agree. Um, having played there during the 2021 season, which was the the year before Albright and Noonan came in, it was a dumpster fire uh, from top to bottom. They'd had, I think, three general three general managers or two general managers and three head coaches over a three-year span. They were the worst team in the league all three years. And it speaks volumes to, to Pat Noonan and to Chris Albright of what they've been able to accomplish in less than 18 months there. Because they've come in, like Alex said, from a uh, an organization uh, that has had relative success, they learned over those years that they were there, and they brought what they learned to Cincinnati. They went out and signed guys that they knew could get the job done, and created an environment and a culture in which the players who were already there and the new players that they were bringing in could succeed. And you've not only seen that success on the field, but you've seen it off the field as well because they are a team. They are a unit. They do things together off the field. They do things together on the field. And that's what winning is about. Can you give an example of something that they would have done? I mean, cause there's so many leagues teams in league 29. Now, like you said, you were there since you said it was top to bottom broken. Like what is something maybe that uh, having a solid managerial core that is aligned with the coaching staff. What does that do for you guys as players? Like, how is that tangible? Alex? Yeah, I think, I think for me, when it comes to that, um, you can see not by them telling you, but so it's not like a direct thing, but you can see the vision that, that the club has, and you can see it because like you say, it aligns with the coaching staff. It aligns with the front office. Um, and that translates to on-field results. When you have the players that you want to play the system that you want uh, to play the style of play that you want, and so all those things, when you have them and you have a front office that's willing to give the manager the players that he wants and uh, the resources that he needs to get those players, and on top of that, it's the way the players are treated at the facility, the the stadium and the way that they bring the crowd out, how supportive the crowd is. When you have a club that in this league, when you have a club where all of that is aligned, you see tremendous success. So look right now at Galaxy. They started the season, I think there are three points in five games. Three points in five games, zero wins, two losses, three, three ties. So before the season, you saw that they had the fans were going to boycott. They weren't going to go to the games. They came out and they say, we don't agree with the GM and he disrespects the fans. And so we're not going to, we're going to boycott going to games. And that's because 
they don't like the way that the front office is running the team. They don't like the way that the, the coach is coaching the team. They don't like the way the players are performing on the field. They think that they deserve better or whatever. And all this stuff trickles into what goes on on a daily basis on the training field, uh, in the stadium, on the weekend at, at games. And so you see this organization that is in a bit of turmoil all because of there's a miscommunication. There's uh, disagreements between the way that the club should be run or who's in charge of running the club. And that, as much as we like to say that the fans don't make those decisions, it seeps into what what happens on a daily basis, how the how well-oiled or not well-oiled the machine is running. Yeah. All right. Well, that's fair. Um, Cody, I did want to ask you about your boy, Brandon Vasquez, MLS All-Star last season. One goal in six games. Are we concerned about him? He's just figuring it out. I mean, because the team's obviously winning, um, but he's only got one goal. Yeah, team's winning. I think uh, a lot of their play is going through him uh, at some stage, whether it's him checking into the midfield and laying the ball off, whether it's him holding the ball up, maybe drawing a foul to release the pressure from the back four. That said, he's not been as good in front of goal as he was last year. He is getting into the right positions, and there was one or two opportunities in this game that he he did miss. Uh, I believe there was a set piece later in the game that he kind of had a, a header from six yards out and just missed the frame of goal. I'm not too concerned about it. I think it'll fall into place as the season goes on. However, I don't think he's going to be as clinical or as much of an impact as he was last year. I, I think he had a, a hell of a season last year, and I think it's going to be difficult for him to replicate that. However, I do think that he deserves the attention that he's drawing from overseas. Yeah. All right. Well, we'll have to see plenty of time for him to turn around, uh, especially as they're flying. I will definitely be getting rid of this in exchange for the FC Cincy top you gave me because uh, I'm happy to bandwagon. No problems whatsoever. I don't have there you a go. Hey, speaking go. of coaches that uh, have experience playing in the MLS, Real Salt Lake, not great uh, versus Columbus, pretty good for nothing to the crew. Yeah. Uh, Master on his side, um, as much as we talked about how he's a defensive guy, they're doing anything but defending this season. Uh, Columbus also <laughs> playing a hot hand. Um, I think this is what, two games in a row that they've scored four goals, conceded none after getting absolutely hammered. Correct. Uh, on on their side as well, so uh, a bit of spirit and fight from Columbus. I don't know what what gets you guys excited about Columbus right now. We um, we went there a few weeks ago and we played them, and uh, they're a good team. They've got difference makers <laughs> uh, everywhere. Um, I think they have two of the best midfield players in the league, in Zalrion and Darlington Nagby. I don't think that anyone, you know. If you don't think that Darlington Nagby is in that discussion, then I don't think that you've watched enough of Darlington Nagby because he's fantastic. I mean, he I is. I would agree. He's I, he's one he, of the most underrated players in this league. It looks like he's coasting. He never really breaks first gear yet. He makes all the difference in the game. You know, like does he does he sprint? You know, you feel like he's just kind of coasting around, and then all of a sudden he's just always in the right spot. He never loses the ball. He always makes a key pass and, and he keeps that team. I mean, he is their engine. Um, Zell rounds, just an incredible player. Uh, the way he's able to work with Cucho, the striker. Um, and they create for each other incredible opportunities. Um, and they are ruthless. Zell Round is ruthless. Yeah. Um, so yeah. when you've got players agree. like that, that can make the difference. Um, they just brought in, Wilfred Nancy from, from Montreal, the coach last year that, that brought them so much success. So um, now he's there. He's really got them humming in a good way, and and they could be a force to be, be reckoned with. And and I don't think Cucho, yeah. isn't he out injured right now? Aiden Morris? Yeah, he is. He's the yeah, other one in, in the middle of the field scoring. Like, he's slotted yeah. in so well as too, Cody. Um, so they, they're just an absolute nightmare, uh, from a yeah, form standpoint. They are a well-oiled machine right now. Um, and, and a new coach, how did gonna, they get them to settle so quickly? Uh, it's a great question. I think, I think the, the most interesting aspect of this team is the interchangeable 
front three, well, or arguable front four that they have in Zellerian, Matan, Hernandez, and or Ramirez. Because her, Ramirez can step in for uh, Cucho, Hernandez. Vice versa, Zellerian comes out of midfield, Matan off the left or the right, whichever it might be. These four are clinical, and they're ruthless, and they score goals. That said, you have to add in Aiden Morris right now into that midfield because with the attention from the Zellerian demands and that Nagby demands, Morris is creating a name for himself, and he's got three goals in two games and is causing a lot of teams' issues. No, he can make it happen for sure. He's a really good young player, uh, a lot of quality in the ball, does a lot of work in that midfield, covers a lot of ground for them defensively, and yeah, um, he's a great piece that that adds on to to their stars, quote unquote stars in, in midfield. Yeah, I would agree, and I think he deserves like, from my perspective, is he a name that deserves to be in the men's national team conversation? Because that's the way that they're looking, right? They they are they want youth to be they want young players to be brought into the national team to get the experience now ahead of the World Cup. Does he deserve to be in the picture? What do you think? Listen, I think that whenever you're talking about a player and do they deserve to be called into the national team, I think it's based on one thing and one thing only. Do they deserve to be called in? It's based on your club performances. If you are standing out in your club in a position that the coach feels that you can come in and possibly make a difference or add to the roster, then you should get an opportunity. And then getting called into a camp is that reward for playing well with your club team. Once you're there, it's on you based on your performance all camp to earn that next callback. If you get a chance to play in a game, to play well in that game to earn your next callback. And for me, when you're talking about national team call-ups, that's what it should be based on. Like, for me, Brandon Vasquez should have been at the World Cup. Like, we don't need to go back. 100% agree with We don't need to go back six months and, and talk about this. But, like, you play well at your club. Okay, you deserve to be in a position of need, by the way, for the national team. You deserve to be called into a camp. When you get called into a camp, and the fact that Berhalter just kind of said, well, you know, like, next cycle is kind of like, that's the one we're looking at for you. It's like, no, no, he's hot now. Use yeah. the hot players now. And so, yeah. It's the same thing with with Aiden Morris. Do I think he deserves to be called up? Yes. And then you see how he does in camp and see if he sticks. Yeah, yeah I, I mean, agree. Especially, especially right now. This is this is yeah, this is, this is a fascinating thing with national teams is that is the outlook that it should be is the, the players that deserve to be there, the best players for your country should be in in the next camp. However, you know how it is, Alex. Coaches have their favorites. They continue to call them in whether they're hot or not, and they play because they're favorites. And you, you and I have been there in terms of like we've been a we've been on a hot streak, we've been playing well, and you maybe get put on uh what uh, what do they call it uh like reserve for the national team, and you're like, well, yep. great, really really appreciate that, really appreciate that email. Thanks a lot. Maybe I'll see I you. appreciate you letting me know that I get called in. Yeah. Awesome. And it's like, you've been outperforming the goalkeeper that will start that game in that, in that camp. And you're like, Oh, awesome. Thanks, bud. Yeah. So unfortunately that's a reality that I think all national teams probably face. Um, for sure. You know, there are guys that maybe deserve to be there that aren't. There are guys who are there every camp that play a lot of minutes that maybe shouldn't, but at the end of the day, this is uh it's kind of what you sign up for. Yeah. yeah. When you get so few opportunities to prove yourself in the national team camp, the second you're reliable, you're, you're in because they just yeah. need to know that there's people that they can rely on. To your point, it's hard to take risks and gambles and things. Um, on the other side of this, uh, a team McMath looked to be looked to have been dropped from what I can tell 17 year old Gavin Beavers comes in and gets absolutely shellacked unlucky yeah, really unlucky uh, for him um 
but thoughts on, I don't know if McMath had a knock, you know, I, again, if you guys are paying attention, but the fact of the matter is a 17 year old American goalkeeper went in and gave up four. I watched the highlights, like not a lot he could have done on some of them. I think one, he maybe had a bad rebound, but he's 17. Holy shit. Yeah. I mean, good on the kid for earning the opportunity. However, I think it's one of those situations and I can speak for myself and I'm sure I can speak for Alex in this is we've both been there where you've conceded say you're in Zach's shoes and you've conceded uh, nine goals in five games and you get dropped because the manager goes, well, we need to change. And you're my, you're the easy out, but we're going to change. And then they concede four again. Now what happens? It's one of those things where if you're Zach, you're kind of sitting on the sideline laughing at it because it's such a funny situation to be blamed for nine goals or for the losing streak or whatever it is. And then for the same thing to just happen again. Yeah. I think um, whenever you talk about a goalkeeper change, I think it's a, a move that coaches do to try and bring some energy and change something in the team. And 100%. In this situation, I mean, I know Zach pretty well. I, you know, and I think he's a really good goalkeeper. And I don't think that he's not the problem with this team. And I think that everyone knows that. No. I think that even the coach knows that. And at a certain point, it's unfortunate that we say, well, we need a spark. Or maybe it comes to the front office that says, hey, we got this young kid that we really like and he's been training well. Or you tell us that he's been training well and he deserves an opportunity to try something and not. Now, when things aren't going well, is the time for you to try and make that and try and, you know, create that spark that turns your team around, just try and get a result, you know? And so, you know, obviously I feel bad for the kid come in your first, first MLS game. It's funny because the goalkeeper who played for Columbus, his first MLS game, they lost. It was first game of the season this year. They got crushed and he ate yeah. like five or four or five, you know? And so it's funny, yeah. the first game of the season, this goalkeeper gets four or five hung on him, and then he's back in that while room is on international duty to see this kid, 17-year-old, get his first game, and they hang four on Salt Lake. So yeah, kind of weird how the yeah. game works that way. Couple, I don't know, there's a few young goalkeepers in the league this season. Obviously, Brady at Chicago's is kind of the, the one playing week in, week out um, as a 19-year-old. But you've got a couple 21-year-olds, uh, Syrah and Montreal and post camp at KC. Um, so we've definitely, to your point, Alex, seen some coaches kind of flip it up. I mean, fire, not really because, you know, Slanina was there last season, uh, but for Casey and Vermees, uh, it clearly is something that he's trying to change stylistically uh, about the team. So uh, interesting stuff here, but uh, master and needs to, he needs to keep tinkering because whatever it is, isn't it a little bit unlucky Columbus, I mean, they're cooking. As I yeah. look at like the stats from top to bottom, uh, they've done well. Um, they they definitely turned around a, a slow start for them. Um, we'll have to see where they continue to go. Uh, another one, Toronto 2, Charlotte 2. A uh, bit of an interesting result. Uh, Alex, obviously, you know Toronto really well. Um, I think everyone's looking at them with the amount of money that they've spent recently and expecting the results. It just hasn't really come, but Bernadeschi and Bradley getting the goals for Toronto and uh, Bender and Josiak, uh for Charlotte, who Charlotte have been down towards the bottom of, of most things. I mean, they're 14th in the East, uh, you know, with a negative five goal difference, they've only won uh, one game. So uh, I think the, the inconsistency from Toronto, I think is kind of surprising us with, uh, with a lot of the, at least attacking star power. Um, so I, I don't know, I guess thoughts on Toronto. Yeah, I, you know, I obviously spent a lot of time there. And so a lot of my friends are still there on that team. And I am always rooting for them to do well. I hope that they um, can turn it around as as the organization and, and become that team that they expect to be. Um, but this is, you know, the, up two goals, uh, two set pieces, two corner kicks in a windy, cold night down on Lakeshore um, at the stadium. So, but to be up to nothing and uh, at home, and then to to finish 
two two draw. I'm sure that you know I don't I don't need to have any inside sources so that that they're disappointed with that result. You know, and yeah, uh, feel like they deserve more and and uh, felt like they gave up two points there. But um, you know, it's been a, a bit of a slow start for them. They got a win at home against Miami a couple of weeks ago. Uh, went on the road to San Jose last week and and got a nil nil draw. Um, which is great for the defensive confidence of the team you know, who's given up a, a decent amount of goals this year so far. Um, but yeah, I, you know, I think they'd probably be a bit upset with, with being up two goals and, and having to take a point after. Yeah. It's, it's, I think it's at least the second time this season, Cody, that they kind of gave up a, an equalizer in a very frustrating fashion. Um, and, and again, we're, we're just kind of talking about this one two two surprise also from Charlotte and kind of talked about this again, a recurring theme. Anybody can beat or draw anyone every kind of single week, which is just a part of like the, the craziness of this league. But what were kind of your thoughts when you saw Toronto uh, ended up giving up two goals late to Charlotte? Yeah. I mean, it, I don't know. It, it caught me off guard because I saw the result at halftime. Obviously, Toronto's up 2-0. And I checked the scores back at the end of the games, at the end of that, I guess, kickoff time, and saw 2-2, and I was just, I was completely caught off guard because looking at the players that are under contract at Toronto, you would think have the experience to know how to close a game out being 2-0 up at half. You would think that they have the ability to mitigate and manage 45 minutes with not only the experience, but the firepower, the defensive understanding, the, um, the, the ability to just organize and mitigate whatever a team has to throw at them and unfortunately right now it's it's just not clicking and i don't know what it, i don't know if it's the management i don't know if it's the on-field uh relationships not you know just not being there but in my eyes it's something that is not click there's something not clicking i would say toronto's had a they've had a tough run to the beginning of the season. I mean, obviously losing the crazy game against DC, Alex, as, as you were, you know, there, that one was <laughs> all electric. Um, but then they caught Atlanta at a tough time, right away. And they drew one, one, which now in hindsight, you're like, that's actually a pretty good result. Mm-hmm. Tying Columbus yeah. when Columbus is still figuring out beating Miami, drawing San Jose, probably not great for them. And then this Charlotte result, but then they have to turn on and play Nashville away and Atlanta at home and then Philadelphia, which until like Philly's wobble recently, you were like, that might actually be the toughest start of anyone's run to the season. So I do have a little yeah. bit of empathy for them and hope that maybe once they can get to NYCFC at the end of April, uh, the, the run might open up a little bit for them uh, because like I said, having to play Atlanta right now, twice in two months, again, you will never be able to get me to understand the MLS schedule and why the hell it is the way it is. Um, yeah. It's a rough ride. Yeah. I think, I think you can look at it two ways. I think that they've caught some, I mean, you catch Columbus, one of, one of their games. And uh, I mean, you catch, you catch Miami. Who was who started out really hot and has to come up to Toronto when it's still freezing and they go cold, pun intended, and you beat Miami at home. So that's you catch them at a good time. Um, same thing with Columbus. You catch them when it's really cold out and they're they, you know, they don't, they're not, you're not as mobile, you're not as dynamic when it's when it's that cold. Like Toronto early season cold, it changes the game, it changes games, just like that summer game in dallas in the the middle of the heat of the day it changes the game it can't it doesn't have the same flow as a game that's played in more normal conditions so i think that they've caught some teams actually in good spots that are favorable for them um to be able to have a chance to to get results here and they haven't quite done it like you get charlotte charlotte one week is amazing and one week they're you know uh they look like they need a lot of work um and then it's here tail two halves 
first half, it looks like they need a lot of work. Yep. Second half, they come and they make it a two-two game. So, um, agreed. I think that Toronto will figure it out. Um, I think that they'll they'll get going. Momentum in this league is crazy. One one win turns into two, turns into three, turns into five, uh, really quickly. And so, if you can just kind of push it and make one or two of those happen, you never know what could you know how far it could go. Let's just say maybe Toronto's uh, looking ahead to see when they play Montreal at this point. The way <laughs> things are going, or, or when two they weeks, get insignia back. We play. We play Montreal in two weeks. But who's yeah. like There you I'm go. Not. All right. Next one up. Uh, league darling St. Louis City SC falling to Minnesota United, who like to remind everybody that they are undefeated. Um, which I'm not saying they're not, but you know couple draws in there um st louis were on fire they couldn't do anything wrong cody they were scoring goals for fun as i'd pulled up they were outperforming their xg an unbelievable amount i think they had created eight xg and scored 12 um we were thinking that they were going to cruise this one and uh they wouldn't get their first real test until i think they're playing uh seattle next but yeah they look normal, right? It just, things didn't go for yeah. them. They look frustrated, picked up a bunch of yellow cards, uh, just couldn't seem to kind of uh, have all the opportunities. You know, they had unbelievable amount of shots in the box and it just, I think all the magic kind of dried up. Not like, Hey, we should now throw in the towel and quit on St. Louis, but it, it was, it was bound to happen at some point. And, um, and this yeah. was the one. Yeah. And, and look, this, from what I saw of this game, St. Louis looked like they were the better team for 80 minutes. Um, they created a lot of chances, but they simply were just, they, they simply were not as clinical as they have been in front of goal as the first five games. They missed the target. I think they hit the crossbar once. Dane made a few good saves. That said, Minnesota did a fantastic job of absorbing and mitigating the pressure that St. Louis applied and taking advantage of their one or two clear-cut chances. And it's at the end of the day, as Alex knows, it's the team that takes advantage of that one chance that will win games like this. 100%. And I think that um, you said it, Cody, that, that it's possible that sometimes your luck just runs dry, that you're not as clinical as you have been. To be fair, they had a couple goals where it was literally a pass back from a center back yeah. to a goalkeeper directly yeah. to their striker, you know? And so those breaks, they always will tell you that the breaks even out. You're not going to get every single bounce for a whole season. Um, towards the end of the season, you know, they might give up a couple easy goals and that kind of evens out that that breaks line, you know? Like they get a couple good breaks early, to be fair, they're already winning by multiple goals, so it doesn't really change the result of the game, but it changes their stats. It changes that expected goals and how many goals they're scoring and all this stuff. And so it's this is one of those games where, I mean, do I think watching the highlights, that the extended highlights that St. Louis was a better team? Yes. But at the end of the day, that's why you go and play the game. And so credit to Minnesota. Go into a tough environment. Yeah. New team that's been on fire, and, and you get three points. Okay, you know, and they'll see him on the return leg in uh, in Minnesota, and we'll see. I think so, Minnesota. Exactly. I think Minnesota is is outperforming what they are. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Especially 100%. obviously without Reynoso, you know, they're still trying to figure out their identity. Yeah. But to your point about St. Louis, sixteen shots, eleven off target, and then you yeah. got another two that are blocked. They only got three through. That's underperforming for them big time. Uh, but can we talk about the goal, guys? You remember this penalty where St. Louis had defender won? The first defender had won the ball, but the second defender was a step late and tackled the Minnesota United player off the ball, and they got a well, penalty. He almost tackled, he almost tackled his own player off the ball. Correct. Yeah, that's the thing. That's how late he was. So, yeah. so thoughts, counterpoint, Minnesota United was never going to get there. St. Louis had possession of the ball, but you can't go whack somebody in the box. Yeah. I honestly is expecting uh, a no call on that. 
yeah because the ball was so far gone but uh, i don't know i mean you can't you can't go through players like that and you can't you can't create contact that late after the ball's gone and not expect the referee to blow his whistle it's a weird one because you're right i mean the ball is gone st louis is in possession of the ball and still the tackle comes through and it is so late that it really doesn't make it really doesn't make sense you know and so <laughs> is there an alternate world where a referee looks at that on var and says it's so strange because it's a foul but it's technically it's like off the ball even like the, the, yeah. the, the side been yeah. challenging for a ball um so i'm not sure uh, it's it got called obviously look at everything and it is what it is move on it's not something that's so egregious that i'm like oh this can't no there's no way that that should have been a penalty yeah. this uh, game was scrappy I, by the way i agree it was this game was scrappy it was and maybe and maybe that's what Minnesota went out to do to disrupt St. Louis, right? Because they're so free flowing, and they were on cloud nine, and, and they came in, they roughed them up through some tackles, a uh, good amount of you know cautions in this one. I am looking at, on the MLS site at the feed, and I swear to God, it says seventy eighth minute penalty goal. Is there a more American way to say that a goal went in? I mean, what are we doing here? Um, they gave him a caution. They said it was for a bad foul. So, you know, I, I, yeah, I get it. Fantastic. I suppose. Um, it was a little bit funny. Yeah, anyway, Joao I, I, Klaus... I think you touch on, um, I think you touch on the fact that Minnesota really went out there to just break the game up. Yeah. That, yeah. That's all you have to do. Uh, frustrate a team that's free flowing and you break their rhythm. And I think that they did that extremely well. Yeah. Not to double check. I think Minnesota changed their shape too. They're in a four, four, two right now. Usually will is a deep line behind two other midfielders in front of him so i wonder if that was a uh a tactical change that they made as well going into this one yeah usually they're in a four two three one but they did play four four two last one so anyways minnesota's still trying to figure out their identity but um look no one i think st louis city at the beginning of the season goes uh hey we'll take an ugly loss to minnesota if we can win our first six or win our first five and essentially be at 15 points and have the most points in the league sound good for sure <laughs> for sure without your hand off bite your hand off yeah and like doing it in a free-flowing fun way that captured the entire city Uh, yeah yeah not not only the entire city the entire league yeah everybody would would you guys tune in to see what they did after like their first two games just because you were surprised it was going so well for them like were you guys just kind of drawn in because they are a, a first team or inaugural season team for sure for sure i think that you always want to see how these teams do and for me when there's a new team you it's hard to it's hard to hate on them because you have no experiences playing against them you have no experiences watching them you don't know any of the players or maybe you do there's a guy that you played against or you know from a different team that's moved there but uh you you really kind of root for those teams you root for the the teams you want them to come into the league and have an easy uh, not an easy but uh you want them to assimilate well in the league because eventually they'll be five years in seven years in, and you hope that they're not, it's not a bad decision for the league to have said, Hey, we'll, we'll put an expansion team in St. Louis. And so far first five games uh, in terms of the stadium, in terms of the team, the way that they're, they're playing the style that they play, it all seems to be, you know, a good decision. So I'm excited to see them doing well. And, and I hope they can keep it going. Yeah. Well, again, I don't think this is so bad that you're like, erase everything that's happened. You guys are done for, uh, we'll see what happens. But, um, you know, like I, I did say that they, they gonna have to figure it out. Cause I think they have, I'm going to double check this Seattle away next. Um, come on. Uh, the, the MLS website should be so much easier to navigate, but it's not, yeah, they got to play Seattle away, uh, at the, at the late kickoff um so we'll see how they do and then they are back home against cincinnati so it's gonna be a tough little back-to-back run for them so i think mm-hmm. we'll probably get a really good test of how they handle a couple of uh a veteran team in seattle who and then a very organized and high flying team in cincy so uh i'm excited Definitely. yeah all right uh last yeah, one be of the a good day. test yeah for sure last one of the day gentlemen uh the canadian rivalry no one cares about or is this the big one 
What do you guys think having both played in Canada? What is the big Canadian rivalry up there? There's only one and it's Toronto, Montreal. The West coast is the West coast. It's isolated, especially that Pacific Northwest. It's a bit weird up there. Um, and so when it comes to a rivalry, you need part of a rivalry for me is actual location and distance between teams. So proximity from that rival team. And so in terms of that, I think the only answer is, is Toronto, Montreal. Yeah, I would agree with that. I think yeah. you bring a great point of rivalry has to do with proximity. I, yeah, you know, I think that I think that that makes sense. I think that that aligns. I think that's uh, how rivalries in any sports are. You know, and it's like yeah, it's I mean, the old rivalries is like Celtics and the Lakers, and it's like yeah, because they were both so head and shoulders above the best teams back in the day when they were playing each other every year in the finals. Now it's like, it's not a rivalry. No one really cares about that now, no. you know, because no. it doesn't, it's, they're too far apart. There's not an actual cultural right. dislike. Right. So um, I can tell you that and there you is, look at soccer Toronto and Montreal. Yeah. You look at soccer and you look in Europe and it's Barcelona, Real Madrid, Liverpool, Everton, Liverpool, Man United, Chelsea. And who? Brandon. You tell me anyone in North London, I suppose. Right now, yeah, it's more like right now it's more like fucking Brentford and Crystal Palace, but West <laughs> Ham, uh, Arsenal, Fulham. Arsenal, Tottenham, Chelsea Celtic Fulham. Rangers, Chelsea, Fulham. Yeah, big rivalry that, and it, and it could be it's it's fifty fifty whenever they play. Yeah. It's a it's a forty two hour drive from Toronto to Vancouver. Yeah, no, what it, the it's, hell? it's like it's. It's like going from New York that's, to Los Angeles. Yeah, yeah. And they that's can they crazy. recommend going to the United States. We probably have better roads. Uh, anyways, yeah. Vancouver <laughs> 5, Montreal nil. Absolutely nothing but a red card on the stat sheet uh, with Camacho getting yeah. sent off in the 23rd minute for just being a defender on the wrong side of the attacker and pulled him down outside the box. Uh, what yeah. the hell is wrong with Vancouver's field? Like the weirdest bounces from these long balls are putting defenders in terrible situations. Cody, what do you guys put in the turf there? Uh, cork. It's not rubber. Clearly, it's very dry. The field very looks dry. like it plays weird. Is that just it's me, a tough Alex? Place to play. It, yeah, it's a really tough place. It's to a play very tough place to play. The lighting with the dome. Though. Oh, yeah. It's yeah. I actually like it's a very I actually field. like the stadium because I think it's cool when the roof is open and it's a nice day in Vancouver. It's kind of like a nice little setting. But in terms of the surface, it's just atrocious. It's just atrocious. Yeah. It's very dry. And and they water it with a watery yeah. like a like a fire hose before the game, before warm-ups, yeah. before the game, and at halftime. And they have like that uh the they have that truck the minutes it's dry. They have the cart that like drive that drives by and has like a little PVC thing off the back of it that has like little holes in it and just like sprays water at the ground as it's driving around in circles. It's like a Zamboni for soccer. Yeah, yeah it, it looks it's interesting. It looks weird too, uh, even on TV, especially now that Apple's bringing us 1080p. We can actually see what the hell's going on instead of that ESPN Plus nonsense. <laughs> fucking no. 480p streaming um yeah and i've just seen this at uh, vancouver like it's it, i think some of it's the lighting reflecting down off of the top and just the way it, it sees but there's clearly an advantage but i mean let's be honest like vancouver didn't need one um absolutely took yeah. advantage if anything should have scored sooner should have scored more but this is a big uh lift for that team anytime you go out there and just smack someone five nothing even with the mixed results they've had, it doesn't matter. This is going to be huge lift for Vanny yeah. and the rest of the team and they're going to try to push on off of it. Yeah, I would agree. I think um, it, it's a, it's their first one of the season. I think the coaching staff really needed it. They, from what I've been told, from what I can assume, they have had a lot of pressure on them to get this first win of the season in the league. Um, but Montreal, from my point of view, Montreal might as well have stayed on the plane. I mean, they might have well stayed in Montreal because this was a dumpster fire of a game for them. 
they could have lost seven, eight, nine, zero. Yeah, it's, I mean, like we said, tough place to play. Canada versus Canada. So it means something. Um, and to come in and lay an egg is obviously not what you want. But um, for me, Montreal's poor start is solely based on what they've done in the offseason. They've done nothing to yeah. keep the guys around that made the team good last year. They let their coach walk without even a discussion about trying to keep them or sign them to a new salary. Um, and they haven't done anything to replace him or uh, players they've lost. And so I think it's a testament to to the organization and the fact that they're not willing to go out there and spend and try and replicate what they've done uh, in the last season. They think it's just kind of shot in the dark. It comes from, you know, comes from whatever yeah. it comes from, but um, they haven't, they haven't done anything to, to replace its success. And so this is kind of, you know, I, I, I say that teams will cut corners until they get caught cutting corners and they get embarrassed yeah. and then they're going to be forced to change something. And so maybe this is the the wake up call to Montreal that the front office, the ownership needs to say, Hey, let's go spend some money and, and try and make this team competitive again. And yeah, what's frustrating is their last result uh, was three, two against Philly, mm-hmm. right? Then they had a bye week and then they came into this about as bad as you could coming out of a bye week too you've had extra time yeah. with people yeah. you got everyone fresh everyone yeah. probably had a couple of days off and now you're coming back from vancouver and everyone's on the line because what do you do from this yeah. um it's gonna be tough they play new england away next we'll have to see uh i couldn't believe that cody when you said this is their first win of the season they lost to real Salt lake in the opener lost to san jose then draw 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 um so yeah. Uh, this is going to help the old goal difference. So I'll tell you what. Oh, yeah. yeah. I mean, and I think it speaks volumes to what Vancouver's been able to do with their academy players because they brought Simon Betcher, who is the fastest player in MLS history to five goals through the MLS Next program. Oh, I thought you were going to say this season. I'm like, well, it helps when you play Montreal. <laughs> no, no, no. no. Uh, he, they, I guess promoted him. They signed him to essentially a two-way contract last year out of necessity uh, with injuries. He scored one late last year, I think in either the second to last game of the season or the last game of the season. And then has scored four in the first five or six games of this year. Yeah. Well, he had two goals and assists, obviously made uh team of the match day because can't whatever team of the week. It is team what it is. Um, 23 year old. Yeah, 23-year-old obviously enjoying uh, the the freedom that he had in this game. Um, mm-hmm. I would say it's the same guys from Vancouver, right? They, you kind of expect Gressel's all over a lot of that stuff um, as they are in their Christmas tree formation that Vanny loves so much, the 4-3-2-1. Yeah, it's a weird formation. There was a whole debacle about that last year because we actually started in a 5-3-2 for the first half of the season. And then went to the Christmas tree because everybody wanted to play a flat back four. <laughs> Who's everybody? The players. Interesting. You guys did have some huge gaps between your your defenders for passing lanes. Yeah. Like your wingbacks kept kept getting caught too high, and then your center backs yeah. were chasing in the in the lanes, and they were not. It was just mm. yeah. Because we didn't. Because we never worked on defensive shape, and oh. we they wanted us to play a. F- five at the back everybody yeah. was like we don't know how to play this why are we doing this yes yeah. yeah just play a formation that everybody knows how to play stop defending can you focus everybody on grew scoring? up in a yeah it was an interest it was an interesting time it was an interesting time yeah you're just you're, say that i bet um all right well i mean that's those are the top games of the week obviously other stuff happened i think that if you kind of look around the the league and you just go oh well that was surprising uh i think you know, what was it? Oh, I've already just completely blanked it right now. Uh, uh, I don't know. Oh, LAFC in Colorado. LAFC yeah. at Colorado, 0-0. Zero, zero. Uh, Colorado using every mile high foot they have to their advantage. Uh, everyone kind of expecting LAFC to continue to roll and in, in just a little bit of a stumbling block. Got to be a huge yeah. victory uh, mentally for Colorado. Yeah. <laughs> Clean sheet yeah. and a point against uh, one of the top teams in the league. Definitely. All right, uh, team of the match day. 
because that's what we do in America. Uh, Dane St. Clair got goalkeeper of the week. Uh, Walker Zimmerman, uh, Glesny, uh, Mosquera from Cincy, Joswiak, Mukhtar, Aiden Morris, Zillarion, um, Espinoza, Becker, Betcher, and Chu. Columbus and Nashville with two players apiece kind of kind of led the charge in this one. Um, if you don't score, you don't get in. That seems to be the easiest way to get into these team of the weeks every single every single week. I think that the team of the match day, as it's <laughs> called now. Audi appreciates is, you. It is solely based on it's a stats driven award. Award, if it's an award, I guess. Yeah. But it is solely based on goals, assists, shutouts. Or like if you're a defender and you get a shutout and you score a goal, like Walker does like once every three games, then you're going to be on team of the week you know and that's just kind of the way it goes it's not really based on oh wow this player had you know made a lot of good plays and and you know it's not based on that which Mm -hmm. is fine but the way to get on this is to score goals and assist goals and keep shut up that is that's your team of the week it is just kind of interesting how these things come together I don't know if this is too personal. Do you guys get little spiffs or bonuses for making these team of the weeks or anything? So you guys no, really no. don't care about it, right? You're hey, no, team, no. team first. This is annoying. Yeah. Yeah. Very okay. much team team focus. It has no bearing. These are they're they're nice. Uh it's nice recognition, but it doesn't mean anything. Yeah. At the end of the day. Well, that is right. good to know. So to me, this is actually a media play for the league to continue to to push stuff out there, promote, promote play different players week in, week out versus it really kind of coming down to you guys. So um, by the yeah. way, if you guys haven't seen it, there's a Twitter account that has worst uh, man of the match awards and Ooh. some of the stuff people have gotten, they've gotten like coupons and they've gotten like a pizza. Oh. It is hilarious. I'll have to send you guys the That's link good. after this, but it yeah. is one of the best things ever. So uh <laughs> We'll see. I don't think these guys are getting Audis every single week, but uh, I think we can yep. um, kind of wrap there. Anything else uh, around the league that you guys are surprised at? I mean, Jordan Morris is continuing to run away uh, yeah. with with the goals. Um, I will Cincy. say this is as kind of a last point. I'll say this: I hate. I'll use that strong word. I hate that all of the games are on at the same time. I was going to ask you about that. Yes, Actually, yes. yes. I was going to bring that up. I want to wake up on a Saturday when my game is at 7.30 or 4, and I want to watch the 1 o'clock game. And then I want to get home after my 4 o'clock game and watch five. You know, one of the five yeah. or six games that's on at 7.30. And then I want to watch the late game. And then I watch the Sunday games and that occasional Viernes de Football that they used to have. The old Friday night MLSer away in houston or something (laughs) so i like i want to watch as many games as possible live i don't want to like go on apple tv the next day and like oh man like should i rewatch this game it's like no i already have to rewatch my game two more times and so it's like i I hate how they've the timing is all in it's all in one day it's mostly at one time based on your location or whatever uh they did they had like one game that was like a four o'clock game or a three o'clock game uh the first couple weeks now they don't do it anymore um so i guess it's like a scheduling thing but i don't know what type of scheduling issues you have when all you have is mls when you you know yeah you're not competing with anyone else for airtime or any other sports so like just make the games happen all day for two days i think that people would appreciate that more I think so too. I, but however, I, I think part of it might be the MLS 360 concept that they're trying to employ. It's their employ. version of NFL Red Zone. Sure. I get that. I haven't had the ability to watch that yet. And so I don't know what that experience is like. And I don't like, contrary to NFL Red Zone, where like there's a team that's on the 10 yard line or the 20 yard line. Let's go to this game and watch it live. Yeah. Soccer is much more fluid. You can't be like, Oh, this team's attacking now. And they're like at midfield with possession of the ball. And you're like, okay, he's good. He's going to kick it long. And that's going to come back the other way, you know? Yeah. yeah. And so you can, you can go back and show 
highlights of goals or highlights of big plays or big saves or whatever. But then you're not really like bouncing around from game to game. You're just a highlight, like a live highlights show. You know, yeah, yeah. So it makes it kind of difficult. Yeah, they have. They definitely haven't figured out the balance of it yet. I watched it a no. couple times. You know, it's okay. And um, yeah. uh, they're they're get they got in trouble for uh, spoiling a lot of things too. Not telling people what happened. Just being like, oh look, goal. And you're like, wait, what? Come on. Yeah. Um, I, you know, it is tough to pick the game. There are one, two, three, four, five, six, seven games. It um essentially seven thirty Eastern kickoff next week there's one two three four games at 8 30 and then obviously you got one at 9 30 and then two at 10 30 for the west coast the the last three of the west coast kickoffs um you know i would have thought maybe how about this is it better from a playing perspective because you guys have a little bit more consistently in your schedule and your pregame prep and things like that but your point is definitely not necessarily better for the viewer because now i have to decide the best game out of seven you would think that like I said, as an outlet that doesn't have to compete with other sports for airtime or time slots, that you would want a game at one, a game at three, two games at five, a bunch of games at 7.30 prime time slot. And then you've got your 8.30 because you're in the central time zone, the 9.30 because you're in the mountain time zone, then you're 10.30 West Coast. But like, you want people to have options to watch games all day. And you assume that because there's more actual time that, you're broadcasting all the games anyways. It's not like you're only broadcasting X amount of games because you have this time slide to pick one. They're broadcasting every single game. And so you'd want people to have the most overall time in a day to watch games, right? The, the more time that you make available for people to watch, the more people are going to be watching throughout the day, right? Even if you're not a, a DC United fan. And DC United plays at two o'clock on a Saturday. It's like, are we going to go to the bar and watch this game and have a beer? It's like, yeah, sure. Why not? Yeah. I've had that. Whether whether I've like been doing chores or doing other stuff early in the afternoon, I'm like the Premier league's over. I'm like, I got to wait another three hours for the MLS. Um, So it has been interesting. I mean, obviously, you know, it's, it's first year I signed up for MLS season pass, wanted to go all in and, and, and experience it, but it has been a bit weird. Um, you know, it's been different. I'm sure they have the reasons, but yeah, I just, I think, you know, Cody, I think Alex has a really good point. That's like, you're compressing your window so tight. There's no media blackouts. So it's not, you yeah. know, I don't know. They're going to have to figure it out, yeah. but I will never complain that it's not an ESPN plus. Oh my God. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think to be fair, I think they've done a good job of like the games that I've watched. Uh, like when I come back from a game and I'm watching the second half of the late game that's on the West Coast or the one, the times that you have watched the early game, like the coverage is actually pretty good. The yeah. quality is good. Um, I think that as it grows, as Apple, I, what is it, a 10 year, 10 year partnership? And so yeah. as it goes on, there needs to be more competition for like who's calling the games. I don't think that. Or at a point where there's, you know, 16 or 15 sets of broadcast teams that are good enough to be making this product what we want it to be. It, I don't think I that's been consistent enough. It's not, I honestly, there are games that I'll watch on mute and just play music or something because I don't need to listen to so-and-so who's not very good at broadcasting and doesn't have great insight. I don't need to listen to that. You know, and I, I would think that as a league, you would want that to be something that's a strong suit to draw people in, to, to have people say, I like the way that this sounds. I like the insight that they're giving. And so I think that will take time. Um, but I would say like the overall, um, like the, the actual product itself has been pretty good. Like yeah. there's been some good games with lots of goals. I agree. Um, the stars have been the stars. <laughs> they have been running the games. Um, which is what you want. And so you hope that as it goes on, it just gets better. Yeah. Yeah. It's been a, it's been an interesting season, especially as I, this is my first time really following it. Uh, (laughs) I don't know what the hell to expect every single week, but that's part of the the interesting side of it. So um, Alex, thank you so much for joining us. We really appreciate it. Um, Like I said, uh, best of luck at DC. Um, you know, and glad you're enjoying it. Glad you're learning a lot from Rooney and the staff there. Uh, big up on the cherry blossoms. I'll be there visiting uh, next week. So hopefully the 70,000 people that were there have cleared out for me. 
<laughs> to be fair, I think the cherry blossoms might clear out for you by then too. So you might yeah. miss them anyways. Yeah, it, it is what it is. This is the only time that worked. Uh, we'll see if I can sneak <laughs> out and uh, visit you guys and uh, you take on Columbus. Uh, yes. Cody, on your side of story, I mean, what do I got to say? I mean, do, who do I have to pay to get a clean sheet? Uh, you're asking the wrong person. <laughs> I just want to get talk to my back four. Do you just want me to like DoorDash you some to donuts? Uh, we need to stop conceding goals in the back post. You guys have a back post dilemma. It is true. Yes, we do. It's wide uh, open right now. Well, um, it's tough. Maybe recommend, make a recommendation to the coaching staff. Uh, they'd appreciate that. Uh, but we'll continue to watch you in the or- Orange County Oranges out there. You guys are doing great. <laughs> yeah. Keep it up. All right, guys, Thank we're going to wrap there. Uh, more stuff as always. Uh, follow Alex. Link in the description. Um, another game week MLS coming up soon. No more international break nonsense. Uh, everyone's fully staffed again. So we'll be back. Uh, if you could rate us, Apple, Apple podcast, Spotify, five stars goes a long way. We appreciate you. We'll be back. Take care.